everyone. Welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast, brought to you by Tumi. Today, we would like to take you on a journey into the world of urban logistics. The trend of rising e-commerce, food and grocery deliveries started even before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Urban dwellers around the world are today well used to trucks and vans adding to traffic jams or vehicle emissions when parked in second row. An emission-free alternative is offered by deliveries by bicycle and they also don't take up so much of our road spaces. Additionally, instead of adding to congestion and being stuck at traffic, bike couriers circumnavigate bottlenecks and ensure fast and timely deliveries. That sounds quite cool. Yet, people working as bike couriers face quite some challenges when it comes to finding a decent working environment and livable salaries. The situation is often described as gig economy, a labor market that is characterized by the prevalence of short-term contracts and freelance work, facilitated by digital technologies such as delivery apps. This often fosters a difficult employment relationship too. Workers face limited rights and digital platforms can treat workers like employees, but without the cost of hiring, for example, and providing social security benefits. In today's episode, my colleague Viviane spoke to Jérôme Lure from Crow Cycle Courier in Berlin. Crow Berlin is a bike courier cooperative found in 2017 that offers car-free delivery services in and around Berlin. 15 to 20 cyclists are currently offering their services directly to a variety of different customers without having to take pay cuts by a booking platform or an app. In a current maximum capacity setup, a career can take up to 250 kilograms of good within one ride and delivery times can be as fast as 30 minutes. That's pretty good. Also, Crow Berlin is set up as a collective. That means that it is fully owned by its cyclists. This setup allows the cooperative to better accommodate the cyclists' needs and create a decent working environment in the very competitive market of urban deliveries. But let's tune in and learn more about bike careers serving our cities on two wheels. Hello, Jerome. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Vivian. Thank you for being here. Personally, I'm very excited to chat with you about the world of urban logistics and the role of bike couriers today and the challenges they face. So beginning our episode today, I suggest how about you guide our listeners into the topic by telling us a bit about yourself and your journey and how you ended up founding Grow. I would say I could start with the end of my first company that was working in, um, in a quite different field, more in the event logistics and um, event organization and with the start of my first uh, courier job and that was 2015 at Deliveroo in Berlin and uh, Deliveroo you might probably still know they have vanished from the German market but they are still active in various countries is one of the first food delivery gig economy um, companies that has uh, joined the European market. And what we have been doing there was um, 
the one thing that is pretty well known uh, all about all around the world right now. Uh, people deliver food that has been ordered by an app and um, coming from partner restaurants all over the city. Starting this in 2015 um, was interesting in many in many ways. The beginnings have been quite good to earn money without many restraints or much of um, the watching eye over you since uh, everything was quite new. And um, looking for employment at the time, I joined Delivery in the office. So I got to know the startup and gig economy world from the inside for the first time of my life. And there I developed my role into uh, operations and uh, community management. So I was mainly responsible for the couriers, first in Berlin and then uh, in Germany later on. And this went well for quite a long time until there was a feeling coming from the, the head company, from the corporate in London, that thumb screws were started to be to get tightened. That meant that we could fulfill less of the nicer conditions and um, answers to the challenges that uh, couriers have outside and would be forced to save more money, to be more efficient, to be more lean, and so on. And this is where I started to... You've got a question. Yeah, interesting that you mentioned the challenges and the changes in your in sort of the working environment. Um, could we dig a bit deeper into those and what that meant for the bike careers? What changed for them exactly? Yes, of course. I mean, what you have to imagine is when you are a gig economy worker, then your working your basic working situation looks like this. You have your bike, you have your backpack, some equipment on you. And you have your smartphone with a running app. And you have, as opposed to the rest, you have no clue what's going on behind. So you are completely dependent on your app ringing, assigning you a job in order to do the job. Um, you don't have much of an opportunity to say no to a job because it doesn't please you or it's too far away. You cannot go home and wait from there. So you have to find some space somewhere outside that is nice enough. Not the biggest challenge in summer, obviously, but uh, the Berlin winter is long, dark and cold. So there are many challenges to come by with as a courier. And uh, one of my roles in the office was to uh, make these kind of conditions better and, uh, try and try and feel into the situation, which wasn't very hard for me to come by with since I knew the job already. But the challenges as a, as a courier outside are um, very physical ones. And I think many people don't get that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I don't think many of us are aware of the working conditions. And when you just said, okay, by career, basically just waits outside to be called upon um, no matter which weather conditions are prevailing i can only imagine how harsh that must have been 
You also mentioned that, yeah, once you joined uh, sort of the office um, work at Deliveroo, you try to improve working conditions. What kind of improvements were those? There were ideas coming from many from many directions. First of all, we um, I tried to establish like a, a direct communication line between the office and the career. So feedback comes from those who are directly affected by changes. And the challenges are almost anything that you could imagine Anything that is technological, from how to make your phone survive, or when you what what happens when you destroy your phone. Uh, so we organized uh, cheap rental contracts where, when your phone is destroyed, you can you could get a new one, and the old one gets repaired. Clothing tips. We started a sort of um, blog that was partly written by the couriers who were more experienced in order to. Uh, provide and share knowledge with the younger couriers. We established a couple partnerships where you could get drinks or shelter that didn't work really well, but it at least worked for a while. So yeah, anything that happens about the individual being outside waiting for orders, what they could need was the challenge to come by with and uh, try to uh, establish improvements. Thank you very much for sharing those insights. And I guess those ideas can serve hopefully as an inspiration for us um, working in the sector, but also our listeners working hopefully in the similar fields. Um, I'll uh, sort of lead back to um, my uh, first question I had to you and um, yeah, talking about how this path has basically led you to found Grow Berlin. How did that come about? Yeah, good question and uh, directly connected to what we said previously. Since working conditions at Deliveroo um, started slowly changing into something that I couldn't support as an office worker anymore, I quit my job in the office and I changed back on the road and um, recognized that the work on the bike on the road is something very important for me as a person to equalize my moods and um, stress levels and so on. So I knew this is something that would follow me throughout my life. And I knew, or at least could kind of guess, that uh, delivery was slowly coming to an end. So I started meeting up with uh, a couple of fellow food couriers and we started talking. Loosely, not much not much of a very clear idea, but we started talking about ideas and how we could probably maintain ourselves with this working environment, but being our own bosses. This went on for a year or so, several meetings later, also quite big meetings with more people who were interested. In December 2017, we uh, created Crow as a company. I haven't really told our listeners what Crow exactly is and what type of service it is. Can you share that with us? So first and foremost, the most important thing about Crow is that we work as a collective. So we do not have a typical hierarchy established, but want to keep it flat, even and solidaric between the members. And starting out, we wanted to um, establish a career service. Um, with a couple main values, so to say. Um, the first and biggest one was that we um, 
absolutely and mandatorily wanted to stay car-free, which we managed up until today. And um, secondly, we looked at the already established market in Berlin that is not small for uh, bike courier services. And uh, we knew that we needed something to stand out, so we um, started focusing on cargo bike deliveries. Um, that being said, cargo bike deliveries could be could be many things, but we thought, okay, let's have a look at what typically is being done on a cargo bike at the time. We're talking about uh, 2017, so it's quite a while ago, and since then many things have developed, especially in the in the cargo bike market. But at the time, it wasn't very typical to use cargo bikes to full capacity and this is something that we started trying to do and um yeah so we um started out with the complete budget of 300 euros one cargo bike that one of our founding partners had and one customer yeah super interesting how sort of little you started off and uh, where you ended up now I'm curious to learn more about this way and uh, the lessons you have learned along it, uh, establishing uh, yeah, a career business and uh, the challenges you were facing and are still facing. The way we established Crow was with the idea of this being an experiment firsthand. So we didn't know if we are able to uh, establish and maintain a complete and fully operating company out of this. We wanted to try ourselves on standing on our own feet in the bike delivery business. And um, so the main aim in order to have this uh, as, a, as an experiment that could also fail was that we do not owe anything to anybody. And so we started with uh, said 300 euros and one cargo bike. Starting so small means that we wouldn't have much space for investments, development, renting a local or um, any sort of bigger advertisement steps. So um, anything that we did in the beginning was extremely low budget. We looked for the cheapest domain we could get that we found for one euro for the first year. And... Um, Many of these things. So we started very low budget and very lean and uh, tried to develop uh, us as a group, socially and cooperatively, as well as our service and how to make it professional on the way. And um, I think this takes a lot of energy and obviously a lot of unpaid time because all of the meetings in the beginning where should the money come from if you only have one customer with paid deliveries. So, yeah, instead of investing lots of, uh, lots of money coming from, from various directions, we invested ourselves and time and energy. And this led to um, grow slowly but surely developing out of a shared office um, and into what it is today. And today, Crow is 
a, a stable and stable and still car-free um, career business with its own local. We have a bike shop that is um, one of the first steps of div diversification, which was um, um, a first-hand idea in the in the first days, but uh, at the time it was still a long way to go. And uh, yeah, we stand shortly before um, renting another local with a storage space in order to start offering a fulfillment service as well. You have come quite a good and long way since yeah yeah your founding days in 2017. And uh, interesting to hear about diversification strategy. Now go looking at fulfillment. Can you explain to our listeners what fulfillment means and what type of service it is? Basically, as you can imagine, a delivery or a courier service is a ad hoc kind of service. So people call you and you have to pick up from A and deliver to B. And if it's a little bit bigger, then to C and D. Fulfillment means you store any kind, any type of goods or documents or whatever for your customers and you handle their stock. So we do the stock taking, we do the counting, we receive the goods from wholesalers or wherever it might come from and we manage their whole stock up until the point of shipment and the shipment is again our initial service so we start doing the logistics from our own storage And a customer only has to maintain their own administration, but not the full logistics from A to Z, more or less. That would mean for you an additional stream of revenue you can generate to grow the business. Exactly. Um, I mean, what, what's important for us is that we establish real partnerships with our, with our customers. We do not want like some sort of an anonymous just business-to-business -business relationship. With most customers, we aim for uh, close contact um, and some sort of business solidarity, if that could even exist. Like, let, let's say having some humanity within the business. And um, this sort of fulfillment uh, contract makes the partnership a bit closer because the customer the customer has every everything that, Their value stands for in our storage. So there's a, there's a whole lot of trust towards us um, being able to manage this. And then at the same time, we have to trust this customer to keep on doing this and working so closely together with us. Business solidarity, yeah. I like the idea of that. And I obviously wish you good luck with that as well. Out of personal curiosity, Who are your main customers? Like not the names per se, but what kind of yeah company can I imagine? I would say pretty much anything that fits on a cargo bike. But the way we started out came more from the direction of coffee and wine, I think we could say. And our biggest fulfillment customer up to date and also ongoing with the new storage is a natural wine importer who trusted us. Uh, in very early days, kind of gave us a sort of advance of trust, knowing that we are still struggling with a couple of things. And they were uh, very happy to hear when we had our first local and would be able to establish a small storage room for them. 
And since then, this partnership has grown as well as both companies have grown. And yeah, now we are aiming to do this together with them. But then we work for a couple of coffee roasters. This is more like an ad hoc sort of business, but uh, works really well. Coffee is a nice thing to be transported on a bike. Um, but then you have lots of the typical things. We distribute clothing for um, a manufacturer to their stores. We transport documents, lots of um, camera equipment and these kind of things. Uh, there's uh, The varieties are um, pretty much never-ending. Thanks for the insights. A lesson or um, a message I'm definitely taking away here is that it takes brave and committed companies as well to change the industry and um, sort of support bike careers in the setup of their of their businesses in in their fight for sort of fairer working conditions and that sort of companies themselves can make a, a change here as well and by thinking about how they deliver their goods from a to b and who they trust and who they go into business relationships with so yeah thank you very much for those insights absolutely absolutely i think what's what's really imp important about this is uh, to know that The way we work, also from a political stance, uh, also means that we do not just take any customer. We, we are really focusing on close partnerships, but then at the same time, we have one-off customers and so on. But, uh, but you, it, it happens very often that, you, uh, that people kind of want to greenwash themselves with the service that you're offering. And... If we get this kind of feeling that somebody tries to make like an, a sample delivery with us and take it this as like a, a photo date and uh, spread this over social media, but we know that in the background everything happens by car and probably even uh, diesel cars and so on, and they just use us in order to uh, increase their sales and greenwash their service. Um, if we get Uh, wind of that, then uh, we will uh, tell them off. Hmm. Pretty, pretty likely. Hmm. Wow, there's some really black sheep out there. Greenwashing is a is a big thing. <laughs> Zooming out a bit from grow as a company and uh, the journey of your business into more the general context of urban logistics, something we have mentioned in our conversation already is the word gig economy. What do you make of it and what relevance does it have for you and in sort of the ongoing discussion about the urban logistics and the, the bike career um, sector? I think what's really important to know about the gig economy is what the word means in itself. And because it sounds a little bit like it would be a concert, but it's really pretty much the opposite. The gig economy is based on the fact that you have like these single contracts being sent via an app to an individual in order to have them do this job in a very particular enclosed environment. And the way this changes working relations is that people do not have a sort of vision for the day or like um, a general task load of how th that they could prepare for. They never know what's going on. They don't know if it's going to be very busy or not busy at all. And most of the times they are rewarded for accomplishing more deliveries. But when there is not much work and they need the money, 
then they can't accomplish any deliveries. But when the weather turns really bad, probably there aren't any deliveries and the rewards are high to work on that, but the working conditions are getting really bad. So this moving away from general long-term vision of being employed and having some sort of self-trust in your working environment gets completely taken away and your work is based on sometimes minute-long mini-contracts and these define your day. And I think this, um, this way of never knowing what's happening next is something that keeps people down and doesn't offer them to develop into any sort of self-empowerment during the work. And I also don't want to imagine what that means also for personal health in terms of the self-confidence, always knowing you're 100% dependent, uh, your day becoming absolutely unpredictable, how much you will earn today or even less knowing tomorrow, um, yeah, must be very stressful and probably causing a lot of mental health issues as well. And in addition to this, um, you have to imagine that you do not have any real personal contact to somebody giving you your job. In, in, instead of a person give, providing the jobs, you just listen to an app that you cannot complain to, that you cannot discuss with, that you cannot propose any, any idea that you have uh, to make your work better. You can't do anything. The only thing that you have to push is a couple buttons and go. Yeah, thank you for highlighting this. In today's world, what we often see as well is that technology being hyped and uh, sort of featured as the solution, right? And if there's a problem, let's just create an app. Yeah, so thanks for sharing sort of the human point of view onto this. So in our conversation so far, we have touched upon um, the careers, we've touched upon the roles of the companies and how they can do better. Um, let's talk a bit about Like for example, me, the customers, what kind of expectations do you have towards us as the customers, as the individuals receiving deliveries every day in terms of food and general goods? Um, is there any wish list or even demands you would, would have towards us? Oh, yes. And the list might actually be quite long, but um, I, I will try to keep it short. I think the most important thing is that people do not forget that when you open your door, the person coming up is a human just like you. And a sort of basic human solidarity is something that shouldn't be asked for, in my opinion, but is really not happening, especially in this field. The more people are platform-based or gig economy-based in their work, the more they are looked down at. Um, this even happened to us back in the time when we started as food couriers and even the normal bike couriers looked down at us. So you're really at the kind of end of the food chain, which is a weird analogy in this kind of world. But um, uh, just like the sheer fact of having somebody come up to your door in order to bring you food doesn't make them any, any less than you. And so I think like there are a couple of basic principles that you can always follow. One is do open your door. Don't just let, let them stand in front of it or like type in the app something like just leave it in front of the door, ciao, ciao. But like say hello, you know, just make, make them feel, make, make them feel uh, being in contact with you. 
Secondly, if it's a shitty day and if it's like really bad weather, tip your courier. If you can afford uh, an expensive delivery uh, to your home door, then you can afford a euro or two of tip. It's It shouldn't be a problem. And cash tip is always the one preferred thing in any courier's life anyways. I think a third thing is to not stop thinking just because you use an app, but help people uh, make their jobs easier. Uh, when When your bell rings, tell them, where you live, which floor, which building, how to get there, if it's complicated, tell them if there is a, an elevator, these kind of things. It's just very little gestures that you could full, that you could perform in any situation at any day when you're in the S-Bahn or uh, in a train or something. Uh, it's, it's one of the, it's a very similar situation. You can also do it there. Just think for another person a little bit in order to receive this kind of service. And I think if you want to go a little bit farther and you're really interested, then it's always a good thing to ask people how happy they are with their jobs at the moment. And if there is anything that you as a customer currently could do in order to support them. If you look at um, current gig economy um, events in Berlin, for example, You have uh, especially these like um, supermarket delivery companies that have emerged, and um, the working conditions there are as bad as they have been before in in other companies. And couriers have created a sort of um, a sort of workers' union, probably unofficial, but it exists. If you can learn about it, you could you could support this workers' union in order to help them better their working conditions. And this, as a customer, I think is actually, it should be part of your responsibility too, in order to receive this kind of service. Thank you um, for sharing this wish list. I definitely took note and um, will certainly reflect upon a sort of my next delivery. Maybe in contrast then to that, what you just said, um, let's zoom back in into um, your business setup as a collective and how that actually is very much a different business model to what you just described and what that looks like. I think the most important difference is that we very early decided to um, work with an app just because we were all so used to it and in many, in many ways it kind of makes sense to just provide information and so on. But we do not solely work with the app. We also use um, radios to communicate with, with each other as people. And this sort of personal contact and the ability also to discuss around uh, situations, probably even to unload your frustration sometimes or to make a joke, um, that makes you feel a little bit less alone out there. And it, it's it, it's something that feels um, where you have the, the um, again, it's something where you feel supported in a different way and your whole working environment is changing because of that. And then coming back into your hub, does it mean that there is somebody telling you what to do next? 
but you decide together and you have uh, you have your own voice on a plenary in our general assembly uh, to vote on any kind of decision uh, for directions the collective takes and this kind of um, this kind of position as being the executive worker on one end but also the ceo on the other hand is something that brings together uh, lots of wishes that I think should exist in the in the working world in general, but especially in the bike career um, working environment is something that uh, brings a lot of empowerment, uh, lots of opportunities actually to to uh, develop your self trust. Looking at the time, and yeah, it's been a very interesting discussion, and I do not want to stop, to be honest. But yeah, I would say we'd move over to the last question, which is leading a bit into a different direction. Um, one of the topics we discuss a lot in our sector is the electrification and e-mobility in order to fulfill the Paris Climate Goals and in order to decarbonize our sector what point of view do you have on that? It's a, a very important point, and thank you for asking because this is really uh, this will come out of my heart right now. I think one of the most important thing uh, things that you also mentioned already is that we are always talking about decarbonizing our economy and our society, and in this short and little side noted phrase is included that we are completely forgetting that decarbonization going together with electrification means exploitation and most likely on the other end of the world. And having mentioned that earlier, um, the word greenwashing is something uh, really important for me and I think it's, it's super important that people pay attention to this and do not just think as long as there is a battery in there, it's sustainable. Um, of course, cars and motors and fossil or uh, fossil fuels are something that we should get rid of. But getting rid of these kind of things comes with a price, and it's not always the first thing that you get sold that's the best solution. And the electrification coming together with the raw minerals and raw materials that are needed in order to build these batteries come with a very high price in regions where water is scarce, where working conditions are extremely bad. And I think too many people do not think about this and they would just say, my next car is an e-car and then I'm emission-free. And the only place where that is true is the place where you drive your car, but it doesn't mean that your car hasn't emitted a lot, a lot of um, actual pollute, polluting emissions, but also problems in in other sectors. And um, yeah, this is this is why it's important for us also to um, keep our electrification levels as low as possible, which means all of our cargo bikes. We all already don't have a car, and we won't. But uh, all of our cargo bikes are um, pedal powered, and we only have one trailer that is electrified. Um, just in order to get very high weights and volumes uh, transported throughout the city, but here we make this kind of um, this kind of compromise, saying we only use the electrification when we really need it, and if it's not needed, it's not going to be used. And I think this should be uh, 
the kind of vision on on electrification in order to not just greenwash everything and um, not be aware of the the factors and um, and results that it might have somewhere else. And I think it's always a good idea if also individuals just inform themselves before making a decision on these kind of subjects. Yeah, thank you, Jerome, for sharing your view on the trend of electrification um, and the vision. I think that is uh, very timely and uh, very good to call out again and also to remind it to all of us individuals what we can do. Um, I'm very happy you came onto our podcast today and the conversation we had into all the different facets and all the different players. Thank you so much for sharing the insights and yeah, I wish you and Crow all the best in your future endeavors and hope that our path will cross again. Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. Really good talk. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you for this insightful discussion, Jerome and Viviana, touching on all actors in the delivery chain. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you learned a lot about the challenges of providing sustainable and socially just deliveries. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time.